What's up? Welcome to the podcast. My name is George Roskis, episode four. Thanks for sticking with me. Glad to have you back. I appreciate your time. Hey, check out, I, uh, I launched a new website, georgeroskis.com. Roskis spelled R-O-S-K-O-S, georgeroskis.com. Check it out. Let me know what you think of it. Going to start filling that up with some resources relevant to the podcast, different from other things that I do. So would love for you to uh, check it out, bookmark it, tune in every once in a while. And uh, of course, you can get all the podcast info and uh, and uh, events and whatnot that I'll be doing. But I'll also mention that stuff here. So let me ask you this. Are you... Are you one of these people, I have people in my life, okay, that when they want to get in touch with me, they call my cell phone, right? Like a normal person. Sometimes they'll leave a voicemail. But then, you know, there are other people, these people that I'm, that I'm very frustrated with. They step across a line, okay? And then what they'll do is they'll text me and say, hey, I called you and I left you a voicemail. And then there's other people that even go even further, and they send me an email saying, Hey, I texted you, I left you a voicemail, and I called, obviously. Hit me back. And then there's the people that go beyond that, and they'll do all four of those things, and they'll call my front desk, and they'll leave a message with them. So I look at my phone, say I walk out of a meeting, I have five notifications relating to the fact that this person wants to get in touch with me. I have a missed call, a voicemail, a text, an email, and an email from my front desk saying, hey, this guy's trying to get in touch with you. Don't be that guy. Christ. All fired up. It's like, doesn't he, doesn't, don't these people realize like it all goes to the same device? It's all on my iPhone. Dopey. I'm all fired up today. Fired up. Let's do this. I'm drinking my protein shake. I got my Americano from Starbucks ready. So uh, my inspiration for today's uh, today's topic on the podcast here, which obviously I've titled Crowdfunding Needs to Die, is because uh, I keep getting emails and notifications and social media blitzes of people doing crowdfunding campaigns. And before I completely tear it down, because I have some friends that work in the space and and obviously, I've I've had some success there with with um, with Seven Dust in in a sense, which I'll get into. But um, you know, I it's crowdfunding is just driving me crazy, and I, I certainly think it's past the tipping point. I think it's jump the shark. I, I, all of those phrases it are appropriate. It, we are there now. So before I get into the negatives and the things that really really bother me, let's talk about some positives. Okay. For me, crowdfunding <clears throat> is great for people who are in need. You know, you see some GoFundMes uh, every once in a while, I'm sure. Uh, most of them are great. Some of them aren't, but most of them are great. You know, for folks who are sick, uh, have sudden emergencies in their families, cancer, all of those th charitable things. Listen, all day. It's the perfect, perfect medium to connect with people to get help in, in situations where things are dire. And it's especially appropriate to me when someone is working or someone puts one of those up to help uh, someone else other than themselves. You know, so uh, one of my friends put up one time, I guess a neighbor, the, it was a family with some kids and the house burned down. Uh, they had a fire and uh, he put up a GoFundMe. And, you know, those things are incredibly appropriate. And I, and I think those things are, are righteous 
and are, are perfect for uh, exploiting on social, social media. I think that's beautiful. So don't get me wrong. You know, I think uh, another good example of a positive for crowdfunding is for nostalgia projects. Okay, so, you know, projects that have questionable, tangible value. The, that the creators are wondering, you know what, is this something that people are going to get into? It's a great testing ground. So my example for that that I've, I have in my head is I saw that old show uh, on, uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel from many, many, many years ago called Mystery Science Theater 3000. It turned into a big cult uh, classic type of show. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix. It does very well. And the creators of that show <clears throat> are obviously looking to do something new put up a Kickstarter saying, hey, if we raise X number of dollars, we'll be able to make uh, a certain number of episodes. So they put it out there and they took a risk, you know, and I, I think it's a very appropriate, you know, situation to do that. They provided value to these folks for years. They created a cult following. I think that's very cool. And it ended up funding and overfunding, actually. I think they're doing more episodes than they originally planned. But it, it was a good testing ground. And had it failed, nobody would have been lost you know, without it, it, the the market would have determined, the the market determines the value, you know, and and so in that in that situation, I also think it's appropriate, and I also think, and this is where I you know mentioned Seven Dust, we had a lot of success. Uh, we did a um, a pledge music campaign, which is kind of borders on crowdfunding versus pre order. I'll call it crowdfunding for our purposes here today because pledge music. Uh, was at one point mainly a crowdfunding thing. Now it's more of a glorified pre-order slash crowdfunding service. But, you know, I think if you're doing, if, if you have, you know, Seven Us, for example, they've built a career. You know, this was 18 years into their career. They decided to do a service slash experience-based pre-order for their acoustic record. You know, uh, they did, it was very successful. The fan base loved it. Uh, there was a lot of value there. There was a lot of experience stuff that had never been offered before and uh, certainly will never be offered again. So, you know, that's a good example, I think, of, of crowdfunding or, or, or uh, glorified pre-orders, let's say, uh, working and being successful. And I think that it's, uh, you know, past the tipping point of acceptable 95% of the time. And, and that's where we get into the negatives for me. Because I really believe that there's an ignorant ego in a keyboard ask. And what I mean by that is that to sit behind a keyboard and to put together a campaign of sorts of begging, uh, it, it's, it's incredibly arrogant. And my main question here that this all is built on is why in the hell does anyone owe you money so that you can make your record? Give, give me some value. Then ask for me to purchase something. Make the record, right? Like put out a single, then ask people to buy it. Raise your money, pay for it by making something great. Take a risk. You know, I don't understand coming out the gate, forming a band or becoming an artist, I guess, and asking people for money before you've done anything. 
I, I just don't understand the sense of entitlement. I don't get it. I think entitlement should be, what are they, the seven deadly sins? Entitlement should be the eighth deadliest sin. Right in between, like, murder and greed. Entitlement should sit right in there. You know, and then talk about GoFundMe's. Go fund my college tuition. Uh, the transmission on my car broke. You know, fund my divorce proceedings. Just crazy. And what's crazy, you know, talk about crazy. For how, you know, get back, getting back to the music business, for how afraid everyone is of having their ego damaged in this damn business. Everybody's about the facade. Bigger than they are, better than they are, prettier than they are, richer than they are, right? For how afraid everyone is of damaging that ego. Let me tell you something that looks the worst. A failed Kickstarter campaign is the absolute worst example of a blatant failure to your fan base. Because anybody who did say, you know what, I'll throw these guys a couple bucks. If it fails and the campaign doesn't get funded, an email goes out to every single participant saying that it wasn't successful. And you know what I do? I save those emails now. So when a band says to me, hey, we're thinking about doing a Kickstarter, the first thing I do is I forward that email and say, how does this look to you? It's like, what are you saying? If I don't help you fund your record, you're not going to make it? Like, if you can't raise $32,000 to record your debut record or your follow-up record after a record that nobody cared about, what are you going to say? If you don't raise that money, you're not going to make it. The band's not going to exist. You're going to give up. That doesn't, it sounds like a cop-out to me. That's not art. That's not being an artist. You know, and, and an artist at the top of everything, I experience this with every single artist I work with, the ones I don't, the ones that want to work with us in the studio, prospective management clients, everybody's excited on the front end of things. And then what happens after, let's say, that, let's say the campaign's successful, deadlines are blown, you know, oh yeah, the record will be out in March, they don't start recording it till May, then it comes out in October, November. Then communication falls off because the band's not worried about it anymore trying to get a record done and then the fans are confused and pissed off how's that look for your brand you know and now's now there's this thing called patreon which is a monthly subscription service which is where you go on and you say hey fan base or potential fan base i'm an artist Pledge X number of dollars a month to me, like you would paying for Spotify or iTunes Music or YouTube Red or Netflix or any other content thing, but pay me that amount, and I'll send you some of my stuff every month. It's crazy. I'm going to subscribe to an unknown artist who hasn't done a damn thing, hasn't provided me with any value. And you may be listening to this going, man, he's a dick. Well, I don't understand why these, why people think that you owe them anything. Why do I owe you anything? You don't owe me anything. The fact that you're listening to this is the greatest thing that you could do for me because our time is valuable. 
I'm so grateful for your time. And I'm not asking you for a penny. I'm not going to ask you for a penny. You don't owe me anything. I'm doing this to scratch an itch that I have. You don't owe me anything. You know, and then I wonder, what, well, why, you know, I was thinking about why, why don't successful artists take advantage of a monthly subscription service for themselves? You know, the ones that have actually provided value. Why don't I put, why don't I ask Seven Dust if they want to do this? You know why? Because their, their definition of an ask, after they've given value, an established artist has given value, is their, their, their version of that is buy a ticket when they come to town, buy a t-shirt at the show or something, you know, that you want at the show, go to the merch table, and buy a record every one or two years. That's an appropriate ask. Stream the hell out of our record. That's appropriate. Man, I get this. Fi I'm fired up, man. And you know, on top of all this, these companies who who claim that this is like you know the, the the companies that do this that act like they're you know the second coming of Christ for the arts. You should see the commissions these guys take. You know, it's absurd. Most of the time, it's fifteen percent of the gross. For what? You put a branded website up. You have a, a, a website portal. 15 cents of every dollar right off the top goes to the website, the branded website. You know, can you imagine? Here, let's, let's think about this. How about this? Instead of me putting up a podcast saying, hey, can I have some of your time? Can you check this out? I would really love it. I would really love your feedback. You know, that, that instead of doing that, can you imagine if I put up a Kickstarter to start my podcast? Can you imagine if that was the, the post you saw on social media or the thing your friend shared or the thing you stumbled across to find this and listen to it? Can you imagine if it was a Kickstarter for me to start my, my podcast? And I'm on there on a video saying, hey, man, it's hard being an entrepreneur. I'm away from my family a lot. I don't see my mom. You know, managing artists is really difficult. Cash flow is tough when you run a business. I have so many employees. You know, it's my dream to do a podcast. Well, guess what? Here we are on Kickstarter. I need you to fund my podcast. I need a $350 mic. I need a $1,300 MacBook Air. I need a $150 pair of headphones. I need an a, a interface for $200 to get the mic signal into the computer. I need a guy to design some graphics. And I need a desk and a chair. So let's, let's raise three grand so I can start my podcast. Can you imagine that? But what is the difference between me doing that on a podcast or a band out of nowhere saying, hey guys, we're a new band. Pay for our record so we can make it and we'll send you some stuff in, in nine months. Why has that become acceptable? Why is that okay? Why is that okay? I don't understand why that is okay. You know, and then, okay, so, of course, the, the solution to this, the summary to this, or the conclusion is, 
what are the other options? What have people been doing before Kickstarter popped up a couple years ago? Or GoFundMe or Patreon or what are, Pledge Music? What were the options? Well, either you find a believer, you know, an investor, a label partner, a, a, a giving family member. Maybe you picked up the phone and you called some of the people that are closest to you. Instead of being a keyboard warrior, picked up the phone and you called four or five people and said, hey, here's this idea I have. What do you think? You want to help me out? You know? Or do it the long way, like all the bands you love. What band do you know started on Kickstarter? Most of the bands I know spent time trying to build something of value, building an audience. They went out and built an audience, toured their asses off, played their asses off. You know, they worked hard. They spent lean, spent way less money than they had to save up. You know, that's what I did when I had my first band. I worked as a dishwasher. I didn't spend any of the money and I put it in an account. And about nine months later, I had about enough money to, to just track the record, not even mix it. And then some of the other band members helped out. You know, how about this? You're going to, you know, people will be shitty about this, but how about you go get a loan? Take some risk for your art. A bank, go ask a bank. Take a personal loan out. You're glad to do it to go on vacation. You know, go get a credit card. For me, it's like those things are important because they give you something to work for. They give you something to fear. There's a, there, there's a consequence if you don't succeed. And I think that by taking that out of this, by throwing up a damn Kickstarter campaign and begging people for money, what are you working for? Where's the risk in that? What have you what have you sacrificed? I, I you know. Sorry I'm so pissed off today. People drive me crazy. Well, as always, I'm uh, I'm incredibly grateful for your attention and your time. And if you can donate to my podcast Kickstarter, would love for you to do that. Send me feedback, George at Architect, A-R-C-H-I-T-E-K-T, music.com, or on Twitter at George Roskos, G-E-O-R-G-E-R-O-S-K-O-S. I really appreciate your feedback. I know that this is going to p- piss some people off today, a little controversial. I've gotten some, some great emails. Um, so if you disagree with me, if you do agree with me, I would love to hear it. Um, I, I really would love to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Got some interviews coming up soon. Um, some people you're going to want to hear from. So uh, please stay tuned, subscribe, share with your friends, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much.